Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. The Radical Up podcast is produced in partnership with AmericanFirearms.org. American Firearms' mission is to recommend what works. We believe everyone deserves access to unbiased, helpful information about firearms. And our buying guides, product reviews, and learning resources are designed to help real people find the stuff that will work best for them. Check us out at www.americanfirearms.org. Welcome back, everyone, to the Radical Up podcast. We're here actually live in, I think we're in Talladega still, right? Uh, Talladega. We don't really know. Um, but I'm here with Luke Faust. So he's a master production shooter. He's actually an Area 3 candidate, which we'll be talking about today as well. And he's a quality engineer at Federal. So a lot of titles that you have. Yes. And I still haven't met you until today. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how it's possible. Yes. Yes. Okay. Take a shot for every one of those. Um. <laughs> how did you get into shooting where is your background for the the gun industry and everything um where to start uh I the think beginning it, yeah at the very beginning um i think i was like 13 and uh i was in a friend's garage and i got handed an airsoft pistol like a little like i think it was a sig actually a little sig. <laughs> oh, okay like the springer one so you cock yep and i was like this is dope <laughs> What is this? So you've been a so, sick boy since? No, not not necessarily. I went, I went, I've been all around, but uh, I was like, this is cool. How much? It's like 10 bucks. It's like done. Broke before I got home. Oh, shit. Um, but uh, that kind of, that was like the start of my like passion in the firearms and just, you know, firearms yeah. in general. How old were you? Probably like 13. Okay. You're a kid. Okay. Just a kid. Yeah. But like that led to like, oh, I want to get another airsoft gun. I want to do this. I want to, you know, and then eventually like year later it was like okay let me get a 22 and i'm nagging my dad give me a 22 and then <laughs> eventually it, it led into i think glock 19 yep and, um like most people's first guns glock yep. it's always a glock yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah not sig through and through right um do you still have that gun by the way no i i okay. i shot it until it was toast toast that's pretty cool and then sold it off to some guy who probably never <laughs> never shoot it <laughs> and uh and moved on but um yeah, and then uh, when I, I was always interested in, um, so obviously, like, I guess I came from a lot of the, you know, the tactical, you know, and took those classes early on, and then, and then uh, I was interested in competitive shooting, I was interested in all of it, yeah. you know, and uh, I started, I uh, went to my first USPSA match, like, the day after my 18th birthday. I love it. Yep. Because I couldn't, like, my parents weren't the kind of parents that I see all these juniors who have their parents. And jealous, envy. I'm yep. like, dude. Your life is made. Yes. Like, you this <laughs> week. My parents weren't necessarily, like, I wouldn't say they were, they just, they weren't going to, like, drive get out into matches yeah. and get, but they didn't, they helped me. They, they bought me the guns because I couldn't buy them right. at that point in time. So they, like, you know, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't that kind of thing. So, <laughs> uh, but after, you know, shot, didn't really shoot like it wasn't the main thing it was just yep. one of many things you know dabbling in martial arts dabbling in you know um like paintball and airsoft stuff nice. dabbling with competitive shooting with you know all the different things crossfit i did that for a long time too do you still um, do the like defensive stuff then like um, crossfit and stuff lesser okay um but that's your background yeah yeah so um you know each one 
had so I, I did like a lot of jujitsu for a while and then I got like a really bad um staff thing that happened and like it was really bad. Like mm. I'd be hospitalized. Mm. It's like, okay, cool. Well, my many years of jujitsu, I'll never lose those skills, really I'll always bad. have those skills. Yeah. But uh I can't like go back to the mats, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And uh and and so that kind of phased out the martial arts. I did CrossFit for nearly a decade and I still do. Like I still do to keep fit. Mm -hmm. I, I coach CrossFit and I, I worked at a gym and kind of as a side job. You know, you were going through titles. I was laughing because I have so many titles. I was going to say, what else have we done here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, that, that's like three of ten. Um, <laughs> but uh, still do CrossFit. I have a, like a whole gym set up in my garage and do that all the time. And uh, I want to know about the other titles. Like that's where I'm off. Okay, all the other titles. Yeah, like okay, why not? So, <laughs> What's some weird stuff you've done? All right, so uh, I'm match director at Osseo Gun Club. Okay. Um, Where is that? For people that don't know. Uh, it is in uh, a suburb of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Okay. So Minneapolis, Minnesota area. Do I look here? Or do I look here? I'm kind of <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Deerish. You look at the deer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So um, uh, let's see. Yeah. Osseo Gun Club Match Director, um, CrossFit coach for many years. Um, COVID kind of killed that. Yeah. Um, COVID, the gym, each, you know, the owner changed the way he was doing things and everything. It was just like, I did that as a fun side job. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. I get paid 20 bucks a class, but I really enjoyed it. I met lots of cool got people. Got to work out. Yeah. yeah got, got to work <laughs> out for free, got, you know, and all that. And then like COVID, we just like took all the fun out of that gig. And I was like, ah, no, not worth it. Yeah. Um, and that also kind of corresponded with as CrossFit became less and less in my life. The other thing that was always there, but wasn't like the main thing, which was competitive shooting, became mm -hmm. more and more of my life. Okay. Um, and, and now it's like the main, main thing. <laughs> so um, let's see what else. I, I own a business, a couple businesses. So business owner. Um, About? Uh, so I have um, Faust Systems which is um, sewn uh, chest rigs okay. that uh, I actually make That's uh, myself. Cool. Um, and sewing machine? Yes, yes. What? Yeah. I need a picture of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. It, cool. You can see what the final product is on my website, but I use, uh, <laughs> yes, I sew in my basement using uh, very antiquated equipment. but um, It works. So, yeah, and that would be everything. You know, obviously, I'm an engineer in my day job, but that's everything from supply chain management to um, engineer design. Did you go to school for engineering? Career. Yes, I went uh, mechanical engineer from Purdue. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so going back to that, too, uh, let's go to 18 years old, whatever, with a Glock. I mean, a lot of people in the sport shoot Glocks and start out with yep. that in general. I know you're definitely a sick jam boy, I would say. Um, Sort of. Yeah, a little bit. But what I want to know is the progression in the sport. So if you started out shooting, you figured out that you liked the sport, and then you like kind of dove in more, but then you still kept the same rig that you have, right? Yeah. Um. I, I didn't. I don't even think back then. God, I think I had like a like a Blackhawk Serpa and like some Blackhawk Serpa mag pouches yes. on just like a, it got you in the game. It was yeah, <laughs> way back that, and then I've gone through a lot of different iterations of of things, but. A lot of them, you know how I said, you know, the sewing thing, mm -hmm. I, I started like making my own gear way back. It's cool. And so um, anything that was just sewn good, I was I was making myself and then forming a lot of my own Tidex and doing a lot of what? that stuff. Um, so pretty much everything, my 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 ghetto homemade rigs yeah. has been 
from the get-go. No, that's bootstrapping. Um, that's something a lot of people don't talk about. So if other people are listening to this podcast right now thinking about getting started on the cheap or on what they could do and make themselves, like how easy is it to fold your own Kydex and all that stuff? Um, it's it's actually like it's it's incredibly easy, but it also it you have to like factor in like how much you want to mess with it. <laughs> so considering how like dirt cheap you can get yeah. mag pouches and a holster, like on Amazon from like a lot of the mm-hmm. you know Chinese sellers or distributors or whatever, you can do a belt rig for like sixty bucks. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. um, for for whatever you need. Um, so it's on one side like if people are like. Would you recommend building your own stuff? No, absolutely <laughs> not. I built my own stuff because I'm really, um, I guess the engineer in me has to see if, like, what if what if it was angled a little bit like this? What if it was like this? What if it was a little closer, a little farther, angled this? You're this, tinkerer. This, this, yeah, tinkering, tinkerer. exactly. Mm-hmm. And so in order to be able to tinker, I end up making <laughs> making or tweaking a lot of my own stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, like, with Kydex, for example, it's actually, like, really easy because at first i thought i'd need to have a press and i'd have this and that and i end up like you can do it with a box cutter and a heat gun mm-hmm. or in your oven yeah or yeah your oven it, i actually find that the heat gun's even easier because <laughs> i don't have to like i don't have to heat the whole sheet at once and yeah. be able to form it because typically like if you've got this whole floppy sheet then you got to have like a kind of a press to put it in and yep. do that in the back and, yeah. and i had built the little press thing but i found that it was easier for me just to like do one piece of it at a time mm-hmm. so you know i I heat a fold and fold it over into, and then I heat one area and get the top and heat, you know, and kind of work through it. So, so that with a lot of the stuff I was making, that's, I kind of did it piece by piece with uh, a, a box cutter. The, the heat <laughs> that's gun. awesome. Yes. I think that's cool. Yeah. So like when you were getting started too, did you ever think that you were going to get into this kind of business and like sewing and then actually being in the shooting industry more and working at federal? Like, was that in your plans? Um, Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I mean, so, and we haven't even got to my other titles. There's other titles <laughs> too. Um, Great. But um, I I was always kind of somewhat, I was always a tinker, always a builder, always a creator, but also always business minded. Yeah. So like back when I learned how to make Kydex, mm-hmm. um, I started making Kydex things and selling them within the, I was going to, like, I think when I got really heavy, not even heavy into making Kydex, but it just came one of my many side gigs. Mm-hmm. I was at school at Purdue and uh, we had a bunch of guys who would, um, who we, we'd go out and we, we'd do training with airsoft guns and, and yeah. do different stuff. And so uh, we get these Chinese radios that no one made a holder for. <laughs> and so I made a bunch of those and just started selling them out of Kydex. I love right? it. Yeah. And then I had a kid who was an Indiana farm boy who like I met through that, but then he moved into the college house that I was, that's a whole nother thing. I was subleasing out to five times the amount of people that were supposed to be living in that house. <laughs> um, but uh, he moved in there and I started paying him. Like I'd pay him like 10 bucks a unit for every, every Kydex pouch he made. And then I'd pay five bucks for the material and then I'd sell them for 20. And we moved like, I want to say just like, in, in, and then I do the same thing with radio. So that was just like one gig where, I mean, I moved hundreds of units. This is wild. Right now. <laughs> I don't know if you're I'm, cheap, innovative, like I'm just scratching, a child. Scratching the surface, scratching the okay. surface. So, okay. so yeah, Kydex is one of the many things, many things I did. And then when I go into, you know, later, a lot of those little hustles made sense at the time, you know, when, when I was only making the best I could do was like 15 bucks an hour. Yeah. In a job. Yeah. Know? 
and now you know making engineer salary or whatever i look at a lot of those things it's not really worth my time but um god there's money to be if you if you there's always money to be made. Yep. There's opportunity everywhere. Yep. Um, and it, at least at that point in time, as a college kid trying to <laughs> afford money for Heck ammo yeah. or other things, like there's always hustle. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm assuming the other thing that you did is got involved with your community level and like volunteered as an RO that paid for match slots. Like how much did you get involved with that? So I wasn't super like competitive shooting was just one little piece of the picture up until like 2019 okay um and so 20 2019 20 yeah i think 2019 uh maybe a little bit before that but um there was just one piece of the picture so i was much more involved in other clubs and activities whether it be purdue jiu-jitsu or purdue Pratnaga or purdue all those other clubs mm-hmm. um and i would take kids who had never been exposed to competitive shooting who were like, oh, I'm into guns. I like guns. Yeah, I have a Glock or I have this. And I'd be like, hey, dude, you should, have you ever done this? Have you ever tried this? I bring them out to a local, you know, in Indiana, IDPA or a USPSA yeah. match or something. Um, or just bring them out to the range for a training session. And um, But at that point in time, running matches wasn't even on my radar. Yeah. It wasn't even like ROing matches wasn't really on my radar. That, that Did was, you, were you aware of it? Like, I think a lot of people get into sport and don't aware that you do need to contribute or that there is opportunity to volunteer, right? Like most people have no clue about that. They just think these people might be paid or that's just how they run it. Uh, yeah. You know, at least at a lot of the clubs that I was going to, they were much, I mean, I would help. I wasn't a RO or SO at the time, but like, okay, cool, the commands, I know them, I've yeah. got enough of this, like, give me the timer, like, tablet, and it's funny, like, the, the kids always get the tablets quicker than the older guys, so, uh, you know, or helping, the females, yeah, so, <laughs> every time, uh, helping the, uh, helping run the tablet or do whatever, so, it wasn't even, uh, I wasn't thinking about the long term or anything, sure. it was just, in the moment, there's a job, let's get it done, yeah, Okay, that's fair. Um, so the self-defense thing really does intrigue me, though. How important do you think it is for people to actually learn how to defend themselves with their own hands? Um, extremely. Like uh, the, I have, and and I kind of I kind of glossed over that a little bit, mm-hmm. but there were some incidents around my early teenage years in which made me understand that. Um, the, the the ability to be able to defend yourself is very important, oh. um, and uh, and that and then it also the the might of the bigger the stronger mm-hmm. the many yep. um, and the only equalizer to that force and the greatest equalizer to that force was the ability to be able to arm yourself. Yep. You know? yep. And um, and so with that, there's there's layers to that. You know, like you can understanding. Um, from, you know, and, and, and you know, I kind of dived into all the different areas. I just said, give me it all yeah. and I'll figure out how to put this, all these different tools together. together yeah. Um, I think the jujitsu stuff or just understanding, you know, when you first get into that situation and you're like, okay, cool. I got a, a dude on top of me and I don't know like what's, if am I, am I safe? Am I not? You know, yeah. if you're standing in a clinch, am I safe? Am I not like underhook over what does this, all this mean? Is it okay? Is it, am I, and, and, and it gets you to a point because the, the, the I just remember a lot was like, am I okay here? Yeah. Is this a safe position to be in? And do that. I mean, even just a little bit of jujitsu, you start to have an understanding of, okay, you can relax, you can breathe. And then there's mm-hmm. other situations where it's like danger, danger, danger. You need to separate. You need to get away. You need to, yeah. you know, 
Um, and so having an understanding of the positions and then having a little bit of understanding of striking and the other martial arts. And uh, I think that it's, it's really, really important. Um, but at the same point in time to say that that's like your, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, if you had to pick one thing, you know, to have, like, I wouldn't necessarily say just do that and don't have experience with edged weapons yeah. or with guns. Like, yeah, I feel like our world includes everything. That's and you have to have, I would rather have someone who has just a little, a little bit of experience with everything mm -hmm. rather than someone who's an expert at one. And one edge training. So are you actually using like plastic knives and working on that? Like, did you incorporate so, that? <laughs> so, yes. Um, so when, I had so many cool, and a lot of times when you're in the, in the opportunities that you're in, you don't realize how freaking awesome the opportunities mm -hmm. are until you get out of school. Yeah. And so in Purdue. <laughs> We have a bunch of college kids. Some of us were undergrads. Some of us were uh, graduate students. Mm -hmm. And um, you had so many opportunities to learn all sorts of cool stuff. So, and I, I, I what, like, for example, the guy who ran the jiu-jitsu club, mm -hmm. I think he was a graduate student from uh, Jordan in the Middle East. Oh, wow. And he... It was, there was no cost to any of the students oh, wow. and he came in and you, you know, he had, he reserved the mat space and whatever and students showed up and he never turned anyone away. It was just kids can come in and he'll teach you. And he's, he was a pretty high level practitioner and he would teach. And you had guys coming in from like Purdue wrestling for like just, just, <laughs> just animals, just doing, you know, and they, yeah. it was just a fun thing for them. And then you had a lot of guys who were just trying to, you know, everything from nerdy engineers to every, every type of student and the, the blend and and we all learned from a guy who is just there for the love of it it's crazy and uh it was the same thing with all the other clubs and stuff i got involved in where you had a guy who had some experience mm -hmm. and he was sharing it with others and then you know so i had at that point in time you know i i thought i knew stuff i maybe i did maybe i didn't i knew a little bit more than the others about fire yeah and so i would bring them out and be like yeah i got some guns you guys want to learn about this okay cool and one of my roommates was a farmer in Indiana. He owned some land, and we'd go out to the land, and I'd give him just firearms 101. No cost, no anything. It was just like sharing knowledge with each other. Yep. And when I look back on those op those opportunities were cool as hell. Now you got to pay for them. That's the difference, too. Exactly. Like, yeah, and like find the experts, and they were literally in the room with you. And so with, with like edged weapon stuff, um, and I don't even know – I think we had some guys who had a little bit of experience, but we didn't have any experts, but we'd, you know, we obviously had the jujitsu and the, the clinch and the grappling and all that stuff, but we'd, we'd go into the, the mat rooms and we'd have white shirts, like tight, tight fitted shirts, like rash guard shirts like this and one? markers. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. And, uh, and, and markers. Okay. And, uh, and it'd be, you know, set up different situations. You, you have a knife, you don't have a knife. He has a knife. You don't keep you. And, and then, just you know, set up situations and and spar and, and see see who gets stabbed and cut and, uh, and that would you, be me. Yep, yep. By my and own self, though. <laughs> you, you come out of it with um, and it, it's a really gross way of learning. Yeah. You come out of it with an understanding of like, okay, cool, we're done with the day of training, and all of our <laughs> arms are covered. Like, yeah. where do you get cut the most? In the hands and the arms, because that's what's reaching out and grabbing. And so, like, we're, like, just covered in marker on the way up. And obviously you had the other, but it was, um, there was lots of things that were learned through that and, and what techniques work and don't. And just through, um, you know, kids who knew a little bit mm -hmm. experimenting and sparring. and cool. Yeah. It's not like, okay, I know you didn't 
do you want to talk about the incidents that happened that brought you to that place? Maybe, sure. You don't have okay. to. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah. Okay. Um. So, in, in short, I was, and that kind of leads in, I mean, it, I don't spend much time thinking about. I, I try not <laughs> to think about the darker things sure. or whatever. But um, there are people that have gone through. Yeah, situation. I think I was around. I was, I was fourteen, and uh, I. I don't remember the exact specifics because I had like major concussions afterwards and stuff. But somebody had mouthed off to one of my friends about something, some girl, whatever, something, and he was trying to fight him and getting all up and. I basically, he was like one year younger than me at this point, and I told him to you know, fuck off or whatever, yeah. you know. Can I swear on here? Yes. Okay, Okay. cool. Um, and, uh, Do it live. And and so I was a 14-year-old kid at this point in time, and, I, you know, I didn't didn't have a full understanding of consequence and everything, mm -hmm. but, like, I had been in some fist fights and stuff and just growing, going through middle school yeah. and whatever, and, and I could hold my own against other 14-year-olds and yeah. some 13-year-old twerp who was mouthing off like get out of here you know screw up kid and uh anyway um his older brother and a mob of dudes in like their 20s found me later um and uh yeah like beat me to death um so i i got dragged out of like a swamp later with like uh yeah i was like unconscious like completely like it was like i was a hispanic family i remember they're all speaking Spanish. i didn't know who i was i didn't know um I didn't remember anything. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, uh, I you know got in the ambulance. That I remember the paramedic being like, "You should be dead." <laughs> and, um, oh wow. Yeah. So uh, that happened, um, and it, it kind of I looked at the the situation that happened around that, and looked at like looked around and said, "All right, um, was." Who was there for me afterwards, like during, before, afterwards, like you're on your own, like there, there ain't nobody, like the cops were like, ah, eh, shit happens, right. you know, everybody's like, ah, eh, shit happens, the, the doctor in the ER, I don't even know who I am, like whatever, the doctor in the ER with the needles, like stupid fucking kid just sewing my face back oh. up, um, and I, you know, and the, so yeah, there was, and there was a lot of medical stuff that came out of that, that like I was messed up for a while, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah. Like it, it kind of, it was like a real, real awakening to like, in a situation like that, you are absolutely on your own. Yep. Your friends will not have your back. The cops will not have your back. The doctors will not give a shit. Your parents won't be there. Like yep. you're on your own. Yep. And, uh, and so that kind of like gave a deeper reason and meaning for pursuing all these like, absolutely. all right, got to learn, got to learn how to do this instead of, so that you don't end up in that situation again. You know, yep. The with the with the other lessons of like avoid stupid places, <laughs> stupid people, and stupid things. Yeah, which um I violated you're all kid, of those though, rules. But you were a kid. Um, the reason I bring that up, I think it takes. We're actually Kaylee and Mason and I were talking about. It takes an incident for us to want to carry a gun, or it takes an incident for people to wake up to all the stuff, mm -hmm. right? Similar. Um, I have a scar on my ear. I had my face sewn up as well, and that was a coworker, and been to the same thing. And that's that. There's a lot of reasons why I end up taking care of myself. Um, when I turned 21, that was the first thing I did is got the carry and sealed carry license, took the class, started mm -hmm. training because I am by myself. I've lived mm -hmm. alone by myself for years. So there's so much that people don't see that we go through. And I think that was important to share. 
Yeah, and it was cool to see, like, as I started reaching out for that, there was a guy in the area who, I was, I think, 16 at the time, when I was so hungry for it, because because of that experience, like, yeah. I was driven for it, yeah. and I think, I forget, like, what my parents signed or whatever, but he let me start taking his, like, tactical handgun class. Oh, that's cool. Stuff. Yeah. And uh, I want to say, like, I I couldn't get my carrot, so part of, I went to move to Indiana, you can mm-hmm. get your carry permit at 18. 18, yep. Yep. yep, yep, so that was, like, a cool, really cool fact for me, and then, like, my Minnesota one, uh, you can you can take the class up to a year before mm-hmm. you're 21. So like on my 20th birthday, birthday yeah. I'm taking the yep. class with. And um, so yeah, it was uh, it was cool to have uh, you know that those resources were out there and there's people who not even knowing my story because I don't yeah it's, I don't share that story ever. Yeah. I, um, I don't talk about mine much either, but I think if people are listening, I think that will make a difference in someone's lives. Let's go get physical training, carry a gun, but it's not always to the gun point either, right? Like. If someone's within here, you're talking about knives, you're talking about yep. your hand, like all you have, even gets the gun sometimes. So yeah. I think yeah. there's a lot. The greatest equalizer is a firearm, but then you still need to know how to scrap. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it's it's also just, you know, avoidance is so, as as I started learning more and, and taking mm-hmm. those classes with, you know, the, the, the tactical or the self-defense and the strainer, trainers and, and then doing, you know, training with my peers on our own, just in training groups. Yeah. Um, it's amazing how many scenarios where we can set up a scenario with, you know, because I've trained with sim munitions, I've trained with all, you know, the, the federal force on force product more than sim munitions, honestly. Cool. Um, and and in all these different situations, just avoiding it is like the easiest thing. Yeah. And then second is just being mobile. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, something feels weird. Just run away. Leave. Like the <laughs> like if you can run and run fast yeah. and like wear foot, always wear footwear that you can run. Because <laughs> your footwear could be more important, than, is more important than yes. your gun or your knife. Yep. And can save you yep. from way more than your gun or knife. So always be ready to run. Um, and uh, the worst, like, the consequence of, oh, that weird dude just took off in a sprint out of the mall. It's <laughs> like, that was weird. What a weird guy. That's such a low, like, consequence compared <laughs> yeah. to, like, Oh, you got you. You didn't leave what it was a weird situation. Now somebody cornered you in the bathroom. Yeah, you know yeah. whatever that whatever that situation. Could yeah, be. so trust your gut. Exactly, exactly, and just run run away. There you go. Well, I didn't mean to get in all that, but I'm glad we did. Yeah. Um. Interesting. So, okay, competitive shooting world. So, like, for, for you started production, right? That was your first division, or no? Yes, because okay. I remember those Serpa magazine pouches. I had I had one of them, but like they were single, right? And so I had so freaking many of them on the belt. <laughs> And I, and I I just put them on my normal belt, so you have belt loops. So it was like one. Oh, you had to have them behind the belt. The belt, so it was the hip belt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I had them like all the way back to almost my holster because I had to <laughs> between the belt loops. It was terrible, but yes, I started in production. Um, Why do you hate yourself? Oh no, it was just it was. Uh, you know, I had a Glock nineteen. That's all I yeah. knew and could afford. Limited, you know. Um. I don't. I didn't think I know that was a thing. I think I just showed up, and the dude was like, "What do you got?" And I was like, uh, "A Glock 19." And he's like, "Okay, production." And he's and I was like, "Okay, what does that mean?" He's like, "Put 10 in your max." I was like, "Uh, okay." And I think my first match, I had him in my like my pockets and yeah. my belt and like everywhere. I just had yep. two pouches. You oh, know? same. They had a double blade. Like, yeah. All right, I gotta get more pouches. And uh, so somebody else signed you up for production. I'm so sorry. You could have been a limited shooter. <laughs> I I love production now. Oh, but, God. Uh, yeah. Where'd you start, like classification wise? Do you remember? 
Oh, I was terrible in D class. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least no huh. natural talent at all. Zero. Were you like a pretty humble guy though when you got started, or were you one of those people that came in thinking you're pretty good and then get you know in the competition world you're like, oh no. Um, I think pretty humble, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, realistic, like understanding that like I, I knew that i was able to operate safely and, and all that but um yeah I, I didn't have any qualms about how good i was or wasn't sure um yeah so it's 2019 so it's yeah. a little bit later then how did you progress like what was or no that time? wasn't that was that was 2008 when i started in shooting it, yeah so oh, 2008 okay. so okay. when i turned 18 it was 2008 um 32 now uh, but 2008 Matt. was when I went to that first match at Scapsa in Minnesota. Okay. And um, and that's when they, you know, the Serpa and the, that was all that. Okay. Um, by, you know, I, and I did shoot, I shot mostly IDPA, I think, during the, the period from 2008 to 2019. I shot mostly IDPA Holy and cow. very, um, I wouldn't say infrequently, but like I didn't like dry fire every day. I didn't do yeah. I would just. I would shoot, I would go through spurts where like I would shoot, you know, in a month I'd shoot, I would shoot every, you know, week, mm -hmm. week, week match, week, night match. And then I'd go a year without touching, you know, <laughs> not necessarily touching my gun, but yeah. not without competing. I was doing other things. I was doing CrossFit, I was yeah. doing martial arts, I was doing Life. whatever. Life. Yeah. And, and going to school and start my career and all that stuff. And then, yeah. uh, you know, in 2019 was when, um, through it, so I was working at Federal mm -hmm. and Casey Reed um was like hey dude i know you shoot idpa not semi-seriously you should check out usp i yeah i shot it before but he's like you should really give this another go mm -hmm. and um i had I, I came up to a match or so um and then i started right around the same point in time they had the first ever minnesota state idpa championship okay and i was like all right well i know this I, and i'm starting to do the uspsa a little bit too let me uh let me go I'll go shoot this this local one. Because it was all the guys that I had known that I'd shoot and I, I think I won at that point I was I was I don't know, I was maybe C class in USPSA, which is like master in IDPA. <laughs> I think I was a master at IDPA. And uh and I won um I won my division in that and uh I remember getting back um and one of the guys who I shoot with, his name's Ben Yang in, in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. We were both shooting Walter PPQs at the time. So we, I'm a Walter yeah. fan. I, I, I shot the PPQ for many years. I think yep. it was like eight years with the Glock 19 and like eight with the six to eight with the PPQ. I think 20, oh, wow. 20, 2012 was when I switched to the PPQ. And okay. That's right when it came out. Yeah. I'm a left-handed guy. So like when the PPQ <laughs> came out, it was like, oh, sweet. I don't have to do all the weird stuff I have to do with the Glock. Uh, Gen three, I could just interesting, yeah. Be lefty, mm -hmm. um, and so shot the PBQ twenty twelve through twenty nine twenty twenty. Whenever Mason switched me over to three uh, twenty, um, and uh, he was like, "Hey, dude, did you cash in your Walter money yet?" He's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, we can get money for this?" Mm -hmm. and he's like, and and he's like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Bullshit!" Yeah, he's like, "No, you can have the shooter program," yeah. and I was like. Doubt it, prove it. <laughs> and uh, he pulls up his bank account and shows me like a $750 deposit from Walter. <laughs> I was like, no shit. Submitted like my, that I won my class mm -hmm. division, everything. Submitted it right away. Signed up for the Wisconsin championship. Started to sign up for USPSA, like all over the place. Went around shooting Walter and doing the Walter uh -huh. thing. Okay, well, some, uh -huh. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Um, 
I didn't make any because I, I learned very quickly that like I could do that in some like IDPA in the IDPA world. Sure. I could do that and collect some money. <laughs> And then I go to the USPSA world and I was C-class at the time. So I did get a little for bit your C-class win, solid, yes, for my C-class solid. win, but uh, a little bit more challenging, but ended up shooting my first ever USPSA major was um, 2019 national. Um, <laughs> solid choice. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, so was that Crossford? Yes. I was there working stage two. Okay. Okay. So go. then we, we, we crossed paths. Yep. Um, <laughs> And I was still just shooting out of my carry holster. Yep. Um, and I had my carry magazine pouch, but two of them, so two doubles. Um, and uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and shooting the PPQ at the time, and and then after, as I started, you know, competing, like it, it kind of came at the right time where I was kind of CrossFit was becoming less and less of a thing in my life, which that was a huge part of my life for a long time. Yeah. Um, and as I transitioned to shooting more more seriously and competitive shooting um you know the the amount of idpa i was shooting kind of went down yep. over time and the uspsa went up they're directly correlated yeah <laughs> yeah um and and it was it's just uh a better sport to if you want to take it really seriously yeah and really compete it's just a, a, a better sport to compete in right so what happened after the walter what gun did you move to the one you have now 320 yeah. All right, you want to show the setup that you got here going on? <laughs> we gotta talk about the this. Of the gun. We want it all. I gotta talk about this rig that he's got here, y'all. So, okay, like, I'll start with the rig. Here's the rig. Um, what what part of it do you? Cameras up here. I, like, okay. <laughs> okay. What well, like? Let's talk about this duct tape situation and okay, bottom. Yeah. What's so going on? So this is all contact, and I think the first. This isn't the first holster I bought, but the first like real holster. Oh God, it might be. No. Um. Maybe I bought a CompTAC. I bought CompTAC stuff, and I just keep as I change guns. I just keep heating it up and reforming it. No, you don't. Gun and light. No, yes. you don't. This this gun, this holster itself, has gone through probably three or four guns and at least like five or six different lights. I think it's for like an O light something, <laughs> but it's gone through a TLR one, a TLR seven, nine, and now the. Uh, the lock light. You don't recommend this though for people that want like actual retention because you have this little strappy thing that holds it on, right? right? Oh, um, doesn't actually like keep it in there if you're like running. Uh, uh probably not. You ask me what I do, I I don't know about recommendations for <laughs> others. <laughs> yeah, so there's my compact that's been heated a lot, and uh, my compact pouches that you just you screw them in more as you change magazines, and and as you shoot more, you just like duct tape. Yes, yes. Yeah. Duct tape on the bottom to make sure those latches don't move. And then if you don't like the angle, you can cut little wedges out of plastic in order to change the angle. Like, I know Henning makes some really cool stuff to do that, and other companies do, but um, that was my way. But then you got to get longer screws. But the key with longer screws is you don't want to have to, like, experiment with, like, what lengths you need, because then you got to buy, like, five bags of different screw lengths. So you just get the really long screws, and then you cut them until they're the right length. How do you cut screws with a Dremel? <laughs> that's not a, That's not a tool I mess with. I've already cut myself this year. We're good. Yeah. So, so normal humans don't do that. So yeah, that's 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 the belt rig. Oh my word! So when production change or rule change yep. um, in front of the hip bone, you you obviously move that. Yeah, yeah. So they they used to. I used to have everything. Obviously, no mm -hmm. magnets and everything back behind the hip bone. And then I just. Uh, do you like the change? Um. I'm less of a um, 
I don't have much of an opinion on it. I genuinely don't. It's like, just yeah. tell me the rules and I'll play by the rules. Yeah. And when, when they did that, I experimented. And first thing I did was take some magpow, just put them in front, start playing with the angle. And um, I'm a data guy. So I was doing a bunch of reloads and do 20 gonna... reloads, measure the time, do 20 yep. reloads, measure the time. And, you know, I found that I could get like, um, we're not even talking tenths. We're talking like maybe hundredths of a second on average across hundreds of loads better. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll take my, take my 1% and uh, go home with it. So that's awesome. So yeah, moved them, moved them up front. But when I shoot Ipsic, I just dropped the, drop the front two. And then the third pouch is like my first pouch. Yeah. Ipsic, so it works out. Okay. And then the gun. Yeah. What did Mason uh, make yeah, you buy here? So, um, <laughs> Mason would be horrified. Uh, to, he hates this gun um this is uh it's just a stock sig slide with dawson sights and then um it is a merzon grip module that gray guns did for me with silicon carbide and then i added some more silicon carbide and uh the lock light uh painted black that doesn't actually work right what's that the lock light? yeah yeah it does work. you see it's oh the, mm -hmm. how many lumens we got light. here uh three <laughs> maybe maybe two and a half three something like that okay so and, how much weight does that add by the way um it's seven ounces on the lock light and then i have the shooting sports innovations tungsten thing in here that's another three tungsten three ounces up. yeah the slug mm -hmm. yeah in mm -hmm. there um <laughs> the the cool thing that sold me on the 320 is that um just being able to, like i don't necessarily love the trigger i like the ppq's trigger better yeah um but um the ability to for me and some people are like I don't care what the gun's shaped like. The texture is the most important thing. Sure. Or this or that. For me, it's like the shape of the the grip. Okay. And um, the 320's ability to just be like, oh, you don't like the shape of the grip? Well, here, 30 bucks. You can swap it out for something else. Yeah. You want a small, you want a medium, you want a large. You want the X-Series, this. You want aftermarket, whatever. Yeah. And that was really cool for me and was like the, the selling factor. Yeah. Like, okay. And then, um, the obviously... There's lots of handguns, whether it be the Glock, the Walther, mm -hmm. or the Sig, that are reliable and, and work. Absolutely. Um, and but and I, I also I shoot a lot, so mm -hmm. they all break too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, they all wear out and they all break, and uh, they all have their own quirks. Absolutely. So I think that's what's frustrating. The sport is people bashing firearm. It's like every single firearm is going to fail at some point. Just when. There's mm -hmm. not an if. It's when. Um, okay, so let's switch gears and talk about why area three like running for area three director what made you think about doing that like how did that progression come to where we are now in 2022 so my i i really appreciate and recognize the people who give back to the sport and support the sport and like you know when looking at um you know going to matches the ro's a lot of them are older like the, yeah. whether just acknowledging the facts like the people who run the sport are the older generation they're providing for the younger generation and also acknowledging the facts that most of the high-level competitors and most of the guys who are chasing the top are all younger guys, 20s, 30s, 40s. And then it, that transition kind of happens in the 40s. Yeah. So I had seen my progression through the sport as like, hey, right now I train I train my ass off. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm training. I'm dry firing every day. I'm live firing every day. I'm, I'm, I'm training to be the best. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, okay, cool. I'm a, I don't have to worry about any of this stuff right now. Right. Um, I'm going to just, whatever the rules are, that's how I'm going to set up my rig. That's how I'm going to do the stuff. I'm a, um, and then later in life when, when my body can no longer deliver, yeah. um, I'm going to give back and I'm going to make sure that what the dudes who are 
enabling the opportunities that I'm enjoying now, like I can do that for the next generation. And uh, you did it a lot younger. So you're deciding a lot, a lot younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm recognizing that that's the eventual path. Sure. Um, and so it, the, like it was always not necessarily area three director, but just in general, like mm -hmm. it was always in the long term plan to become more involved sure. in support, not only in this organization but in other organizations. And I have to a certain extent already, and just teaching people how to shoot or you know running, um, you know coaching CrossFit, uh, running matches at my local club, yep. doing doing things that I can in a in a more limited capacity. But um, as as things continued to escalate if you will within the usps organization yeah. to the point that it was actually affecting like okay cool i go to nationals and i don't have a place to sit or food to eat or you know nationals like i go to my first nationals prof, prof group it's awesome that like this, cool. it's, it's everything Good was food. awesome about yeah. it and then yeah. like i'm hearing about how cool saint george used to be in vegas and this right. and that and like then uh, every nationals i've been at since has been in talladega you're going to be though right now in this moment excited and surprised about southern barbecue i'll just say that like, okay like he did a really good job with he's got coffee on the range breakfast burritos lunch was like uh tacos one day like regular tacos the next day was brisket i think i had a philly sandwich at a6 from him that yeah was amazing. it's amazing yeah. but uh, he changed up the menu every day and like that okay. was the thing that i got sick of as an ro it was the same thing over and over and over again but long story short, too, at the award ceremony, um, it was crazy on the microphone. They go, hey, anybody want thirds? And I'm like, oh, we've made it to thirds. Wow. You know, like he did really, really good. And he took it very seriously. And I think that's an improvement. And that's something that like we hear about the negatives. That's mm -hmm. for sure. Do we ever hear about the positive? You haven't heard about that yet, have you? Because it was phenomenal. Yeah, no, I haven't. But anyways, okay. So um, so as and then the the really the straw that broke the camel's back was the bands. The bands started coming. Because I saw people speaking out about things. Yeah. And you had, you know, the cameo situation, which me working for, I work for Federal, and yeah. there's uh, um, uh, any kind of any kind of misdemeanor, anything it's is absolutely we not have police okay officers. We have people in the military, and they physically cannot go, and they shouldn't risk that. That's their livelihood. And so, I think it's ridiculous that people are taking it lightly and not respecting the people that really can't take it lightly. Exactly. And then you have like like my friend who I mentioned earlier, Ben Yang. He's mm -hmm. um he's a Chinese citizen who's here going to school or whatever. Like mm -hmm. he's like, Well I can't go. Like, yeah. Like that's that's the like portation. Instant. <laughs> not funny, but yeah. that's real. Yeah. yeah. And so um that was just kind of a shitty situation that mm -hmm. they put a lot of people a lot of people in. Yeah. And so that was like the start of the build of me being like, this is any you know, I joke about the food and that but that's really not the big stuff. No, the no, big stuff no. is Cameo, yep. um, and then the people who, but it, even at that point in time, I just sat back and said, all right, we'll see how this plays out. I might have to buy some 10 round mats. You know, yeah. that was kind of, because I was a production shooter. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, right, you're well, fine. You might have to buy PCC, some 10 round I ain't going on there for people. Good um, Lord. And, um, <laughs> and then people, there's obviously people who weren't as uh, in the situation I was and decided <laughs> to speak out more about it. And I saw them speaking out. It's like, yeah, dude. Thanks. I appreciate it. Like, I don't have time to deal with this shit right now, but <laughs> I appreciate you doing it. And um, and then they get banned for sure. it. Sure. And then I started to feel like, what if I had spoke out? Would yeah. I have gotten banned too? What if I speak out now? What if I speak out about it? And, and that was kind of the fire for me of like, you know, okay, you got to do something. Like, like, you can't, like, I, I wouldn't. I can't sit in a room and watch wrong happen sure. and not try to do right. Yeah. You know? Makes sense. And I just, I was sitting in the room like, 
is anybody going to do this? And, and, and no. And, you know, it was like, okay, cool. Like, all right, I'll step forward. And I've never been afraid to be that guy to say, all right, cool. I'll lead. I'll take the, take the step forward and lead and try to try to change. Yeah. So when does that like, um, I don't know, candidacy start, campaigning start, voting. I don't know. Is that next year? No, it's it's coming up real soon here. <laughs> okay. So um, if you go to my website right now or my Instagram, so I'm, I'm Faust9057 on all social media. He's going to work on content. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk oh no he's gonna work on content <laughs> um but uh and then my website uh systems backslash area three um that has the schedule of the election okay. and um and it's it was that schedule just for me to put together i extracted that out of bylaws <laughs> and it took me like six revisions to get it right <laughs> yeah it's so hard to read the bylaws and understand yeah. and i put that out because like people were asking me because i announced my my campaign platform and that I was running before I even knew what the schedule was. I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. We'll and figure I, it out later. And you know, when you got, you're like holding the click button, let's say over like buying a big purchase or something. And you're like, ah. you know, that was like how I felt like clicking, like, okay, I'm doing this. And uh-huh. like putting it out there and then figured out the schedule, the, the actual, so the, the voting starts November 14th, 15th, okay. middle of November and yep. runs through middle of December. Um, and so it's actually coming up pretty That's pretty quick. Here. Yes. Okay, you gotta do some more campaigning, bro. I'm I'm working okay. on. Okay. All right. So give me your like your list of things that you want to change or that you would take initiative of if you were voted area director. Um. So number like the the campaign platform number one, two, and three is free speech. Um. The completely against the, the bans for you know and and not only. I don't, I'm not close with any of the guys who got banned. Sure. I don't know them personally. I've gotten to know, like I've, I've met some of them and we're acquaintances, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but not, not personally. Um, complete, like, like complete review of that system, complete restructuring of that system. Um, it's, it's currently ripe for abuse and is being abused. Yeah. Um, number two is financial, um, responsibility mm-hmm. um and uh just looking looking through uh you know the budgets right now and how money's being spent and how things are being managed um it, it just doesn't i'm not an accountant i run my own personal finance yeah and from just my limited experience with understanding personal finance and money and i feel like i'm pretty good with that aspect <laughs> of things i'm an engineer i understand numbers yeah you know and I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, there's lots of things that just sure. don't smell right. Yeah. Um, and then the third one is transparency. You know, um the if you're not if you're not communicating with your members of what's going on and what's they're gonna they're gonna assume things. You yeah. Know? And and they may assume it as it is and they may they or it's they may right. assume yeah. other things, but yeah. you've gotta be transparent and the the lack of transparency was kind of astounding to me coming in. Like I, I remember before I was even involved in any of this, I was sending emails to Sherwin and just it's just going into darkness, like not, sure. you know, no response, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't really, um, yeah, that I didn't, I didn't feel great about that. But um, yeah. transparency as far as recording board meetings, putting that out, eliminating executive session abuse. Um, Are you going to go to the member meeting then at Nationals? So I went to a member meeting. Um, and I watched the recorded member meetings uh, mm-hmm. since then and other ones. Because um, they didn't live stream or record the last one. 
Yeah. So uh, after a couple efforts on member meetings, uh, it was a unproductive enterprise and have stopped. You know, I'm competing. I'm focused yeah. on competing yeah. while I'm here. Yeah. Like for me to spend an evening doing that. Yeah. Uh, with really no, no return. No. Okay. Not. That's fair. I was just wondering. Yeah. Um. So I mean, like I've seen the positives and negatives with people putting memes out or putting stuff on social media. Positive, negative, it is kind of very exhausting. Like, what can we as shooters or as a community that are members do better, though, as well? What do you mean? Like, instead of just complaining or instead of just, you know, bashing, like, you're stepping up in a way or yeah. like, you're volunteering or you're still trying to be positive and not bring so much, I don't know, down on the organizations because there's good to it. Yeah. So I think you you have to, it's like stepping back in the bigger picture. You have to look at different people and their personalities and their mm -hmm. you, you, your utility. And, um, you know, there's some people who are um, instigators, if you will, or mm -hmm. the people who are going to yell and scream the loudest. Yeah. Or um, I, I think I, I used the analogy. I don't know if it was on another podcast or just in a conversation of you have that kid who walks around with a lighter and he touches it to everything to see if it burns. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's how you find out what burns and what doesn't. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think those those people are bad or whatever, but they also are, they can bring to light and, and spread the message to people like me, for example, who I, you've been through my social media apparently, or the non-existent <laughs> non I have, uh, uh, and you can see that I'm not someone who, who puts out any personal detail, who speaks out about anything, who really does anything yeah. other than business online. Yeah. And um, they, you know, them doing what they do can bring light to uh, you know, bring light to issues to people who don't necessarily act like that or do those things, but are going to act and behave in other ways to help fix the problem. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. I mean, I think that the social media platform that you've got going on, you, you need to be more of like, are you a shooter? Are you a coach? Are you a mentor? A teacher? Like, what do you do? Who are you as a human being? Because um, I was just so like, who is this guy? It's really hard. Now I know I you. Can, I can't anymore. just be an idea. I can't <laughs> no, just be principles. Not in 2022. That's the harder part. You got to contribute. That is part of, too, I think, USPSA and the Second Amendment, and a lot of that is being active and having a voice online. And that that may be part of my... Uh, Learning. My, I, oh, <laughs> Learning. Oh, I've already... Absolutely. <laughs> um, the idealist in me and the... the I would rather people know nothing about for me and vote for me based upon my ideas sure. and the merit of my ideas, not because they like me as a person or yeah. because they know this. Oh, I agree. You should not be voting whether you like someone or they'd be good for the business, the organization like that is huge. Yeah. And so um, I, I, there's a balance to be had there. Sure. I, I definitely agree there's a balance to be had. We'll probably disagree on where that balance Fine. is. Um, yeah. <laughs> medium would be nice. Doing doing podcasts like this and stuff is part of me finding that balance. Yeah, and yeah. Being willing to be a human and not just yeah a set of ideas. Yeah, you got to be like live stream Q and A podcasts are great, but having yeah more presence there would that's where we are in our whole community, unfortunately, right? A little bit social media. <laughs> is there anything else you want to add to that that we haven't haven't asked you? As far as the the campaign stuff. campaign, or I just you know USPSA as an organization, uh, as members ourselves, like how we can do better, or you know volunteer or give back or whatever that looks like. Yeah, um, 
I guess there's there's a couple other you know tenants of stuff that, that you know you obviously have three the three main things that I I kind of pointed out in my platform which are things that I look at the org right now and I say you know I have big problems with this yeah. right yeah. on the other side you know I think that um, and one of the things that I put out uh, that it's on my website and everything is a different way of leadership and a different way that I do leadership whether it be in um, you know putting together the house for nationals or doing different different things that I do this house. I know. They voted on the house. They voted on, they the, voted house. on the house. They voted on it. Their fault, too. You can yes. click the link. You can see the photos. You can look at the reviews. You can look it up on Google. There's a lot of things. Bingo. Um, and, and that's a lot of work. You know how hard it is to find a house and like enough beds? And I stuff? spend it is a bullshit. lot of time. Agreed. So you know what? They can do the legwork next time. Yes. So um, <laughs> with that, I, I guess I just see leadership differently instead of being the... I don't see the leader as the decision maker yeah. and the dictator. They should be the doer with the team just like everybody else and be contributing. I see the leader as example. being the one that helps organize yeah. and say, you know, with the one who steps forward and takes initiative and say, all right, guys, we're going here. Here's house A, B, and C. Uh, here's a poll. Pick which one you want, yeah. you know? And um, it you need a leader to be able to have that initiative 100%. to take that. But um, the leader doesn't need to make that decision. Mm -hmm. And that's how I uh, uh, intend to approach a lot of things within managing and running Area 3 and the obviously the board of director right. position in there and, and and there's examples that on my website already as far as okay the area three match like all right here's the here's the system for how potential match directors who would want to host area three would put together here's the template from everything from how many stages aerial image location proximity oh, to airports yeah. your your all the way down to your budget stuff everything mm -hmm. put together the proposal and then I organize and, and make sure everything's good, and, you know, ask questions and fill in the gaps and whatever, and then present those proposals to be voted on by the membership so they can say, hey, this is yeah. this is the one we want to go. So right. in Area 3, you have the big debate about Grand Island. Like, some people are like, it's the greatest thing ever. Some people are like, God, I hate driving to Grand yeah. Island. And you may within me within my circle, I can I can see a split, but maybe there's some people within some circles who they think that, Everybody hates Grand Island, or they think that everybody loves Grand Island. Yeah. And I'm a data guy. I'm an engineer. Like, well, let's find out. Let's make sure everybody has a chance to vote mm -hmm. and see see what happens. How unfortunate is that, though, that we have 33,000 members and, like, seven voted in the presidency? Do you remember that? It's something pretty or, sad. Yeah. So, like, are you the, the, uh, the Area 3 election? The last Area 3 election was 600 votes, I think, total. Bad. I know. I know. You you have the people as long as everyone has the opportunity. The people who are most invested and who are gonna are the yeah. people who are gonna vote the most and are, you know, be the most active. I would be curious though is that if that is representative of how many people are very active and going to major matches or would even know the, the candidates. You know what I mean? I don't know what that number is. It'd be, I'd be curious. Like thirty three thousand members, how many are actually even shot one match a year? How many shot, you know, ten matches a year? And really know what that looks like. I would be willing to bet that, and and I don't have this data. And now you're you're making me think of ways I can mine this data. Mm -hmm. But um, I would be willing to bet when you look at, so you look at the, and you're like, oh, that percentage is dismal. Yeah. But if you started looking at the percentage of the membership which attended a level two match in any given year, mm -hmm. or even multiple level two matches in any given year. And what is the percentage of them that voted yeah. in an election? I bet the numbers would be staggeringly high. 
especially how you you know you say okay one level two match well a lot of guys will just show up to their you know their local section right if you made that like how many how many shooters that attend nationals voted yeah i bet you'd be at like 99 for sure yeah and how many shooters that attended maybe didn't attend nationals but attended more than more than one level two match you'd be at like 95 percent. i would hope so yeah and then how many people are just local little level ones people yeah but I, I don't think that we do a good job on the platforms either of like uh, showing like who the candidates are, un- un- not unfortunately, but sort of, is that it takes podcasts for you guys to have a voice and have a platform and be able to talk about your stuff for a lot of candidacies. Like even the presidential, if you remember, they were on like talking to Bill Dudoff. Like he did yeah. those random interviews as well. So I'd be curious if we could do a better job of meeting the people for like, I just met you and we've shot in a million matches and how is it taking this now? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, at least how the... I, I'm learning as I go. Yeah. Like, I didn't have any intention of doing this until I just said, fuck it, I'm doing it. Um, and, and You're welcome. That's my signature line. Go ahead. <laughs> you do have um, you do have a lot of opportunity to, you know, like on the website, you, you put together your bio and everything. and uh, Some do, some don't. I guess, yeah. Some had pictures, some didn't. That's, that's an opportunity, That's insane, though. though. That, it should be a requirement. I don't... I, I don't I don't think it oh, should required. be required. Absolutely. You can't just have like a circle face and have nothing. So you know how I am about social media. I don't I care. Don't even want to put my I don't face care. On. You need to. Well, then you shouldn't be the president of an organization <laughs> if you can't put your face out there. Not you know, wrong. You know what I'm saying, though. Like, yeah. I didn't want it to be like, why Why did you have to? I get it. You absolutely have to. If you're in politics, period, which is what you're looking at, yes. you're going to have to figure out that you don't have to put everything personal, but you need to have a presence. So with that, you have an opportunity on the website. I don't trust someone that doesn't. I don't trust someone that's blank. You do have to have the accountability. I understand. Um, so you have the opportunity on the website. You have an opportunity to put ad space in the magazine. Feel yeah. free. Yeah. Um, and then from from there, like it's being a leader is about initiative. Yeah. Like you don't need a like I I find it I don't find it to be a, a necessary for the org to lay out, all right, candidates, here's all the stuff that you need to do. It's like, yeah. no, dude, build your website, like build yeah. your website, build your social media presence, build how you want to convey your message, like build the system. Because as a leader, you're going to need to be able to be familiar with building systems and learning new things. And I've never ran for anything before. Sure. Like figure it out. We have so few people um, running for certain positions. I know me looking at some of the organization stuff is that like, that doesn't look like a fun position to be in, to be honest, because people are going to hate you. People are going to love you. People are going to be unhappy with you. Like, mm-hmm. why would someone want to be in the limelight right now in this organization mm-hmm. when they're looking at people's personal addresses, showing up to people's work? Like, there's certain things that's very concerning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know. Good luck to, uh, to all of that. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's uh, yes. Because the people running, I mean, like you said, you, you figured it out. Like, you can put up a website and you can do podcasts or whatever, but there are so many people that shouldn't be running that don't know how to run a business, never have run a business or, you know what I mean? Like can't put together a website, can't even delegate. I just wish we had more options or more people. You know, uh, hopefully the voters can pick properly or see that. And then, um, you know, it, for, uh, for you, you, you pointed out some of the reasons why the position is not, um, Desirable? Desirable. 100%. And so when things are, so you have an unpaid volunteer, undesirable position, and you're like, hey, why don't we have more candidates? Great people, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
You either all you, the only you're gonna get people who uh, the, the only people you're gonna get is people who are extremely extremely passionate yeah about what they're doing yeah. and I have a lot invested or retired or, or yeah <laughs> I mean there's like I guess that's yes. the other category um, <laughs> at least speaking for myself yeah. extremely passionate about the sport love love competing in the sport um and uh, and want to see it want to see it be successful and grow and, and provide it provide a good um, experience to its members. That's fair. That's fair. Is there anything else you want to add while I have you on this podcast? We covered <laughs> a lot there. Yeah. I know you put your website and your uh, handle earlier, but do you want to leave that one more time for people listening? That Yeah. So Faust9057 is uh, on Instagram and any other social media. Um, I guess I'm probably not. You'll probably tell me all the social media I need to be on or not on. Um, <laughs> And then uh, Faust.Systems backslash Area 3. That's awesome. Thanks for joining me spontaneously. Yep. Hopefully I didn't make you uncomfortable too much. But thanks okay. for sharing your story too. And thanks for sharing your platform. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thanks, listeners. Tune in to next week's episode of the Radical Up Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Radical Up Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Radical Up or 3 Young Kenzie.